You going to give us another great message? I sure hope so. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you a question. Have you ever been seasick? Oh, man. There's nothing like being seasick. The moving, you're queasy. How about the patches? Anybody use the patches? They don't work for me. And then the smell. You know what I'm talking about. You just don't want to think about it in church. The horizon. Some people say, look at the horizon. Others say, don't look at the horizon. And then you can't see. Sure. So what's the answer? You know, it lasts so long when you get seasick that you just sometimes want to give up. You think, man, if I ever get off this boat, I'm not getting back on. I know. My middle daughter wanted to go deep sea fishing. So I took her a couple of years ago. It was funny. She got a place all by herself on the side of the boat. Nobody wanted to be around her fishing, if you know what I mean. This is much like a story here in Acts, where Paul is on a big boat, and he's headed to Rome to be put on trial. Now, Paul told the one that's in charge of the boat, he said, you better not go. There's trouble ahead. But the boat captain went anyway despite a man of God telling him not to. I guess he wanted God to be his co-pilot instead of his pilot. And they encountered a storm almost immediately. They tried everything that they could to keep the boat afloat, but nothing worked, and the boat was wrecked. It's kind of like our lives sometimes. We try all we can do, And sometimes we try it our own way and we don't even consider God. Or or even worse than that, we consider God and he says no and we do it anyway and ask him to bless it. It can end up making us so sick that we can lose hope. God wants to help us not get in that position by trusting him. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Acts 27, 10, and 11. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and the cargo and also to our lives. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. This Roman centurion was actually in charge of the ship. And they had asked for Paul's consideration on this because they knew that Paul was a man of God and had done a lot of travel. And Paul had gone from killing and imprisoning Jews to being transformed. And Paul was being sent to the authorities, to Caesar, by the Jewish rulers. And the boat was headed to Rome, and Paul was going to be brought before Caesar. And the captain and the pilot wanted to sail due to the money involved. Now, last week we talked about how God can speak to us in many ways, 
through people for certain. And these folks are being spoken to by Paul, by God, through Paul. It was a stormy season, much like it is now in Florida. And all boat traffic wouldn't, wouldn't keep going. But they went despite God speaking through Paul directly to them. Look, if, if you don't listen to God, your life can be a wreck. A shipwreck. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. This, this is the calm before the storm. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you have lived at this calm before the storm. You might be in it right now and know that the storm is right ahead. And knowing what God is saying one way and we say or do it another, it's like you hope it will turn out, but you don't know. But you know deep down it's not right. It may not work. It's the storm season. And all of them on the boat knew it. The decision was made to sail, and they were about to get seasick. I want you to see the progression of this trip and see if you can line up the few, very few verses that are in this. See if you can see them line up anywhere to your life or others' lives. And if they are congruent with anything that's happened in your life, you can use this to foretell and to obey God. And if you don't listen to God, your life can be a shipwreck. And without God, you can get so sick that you can lose hope. Here's how this journey started. Acts twenty-seven fourteen. Before very long, a wind of a hurricane force called a nor'easter swept down from the island. See, they were in the boat. And just a small portion of calm came, the calm before the storm, and they took off. You know, you've heard the expression, that boat sailed. This is it. That boat sailed. And everybody in there tightened up just a little bit. Verse 15, the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it. And we're driven along. I want you to see this is the part where we go with the crowd. You just drove along with the crowd. You're really not in charge. You're just moving with a group of people. And you know they're going in the wrong direction. And you're just hanging with them because that's what you've done. They were drug along by this boat. As we passed the lee of a small island called Caudia, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. So the lifeboat is behind this boat. And it's full of rain. And they're now bringing in their lifeboat. Because it's fixing to get swamped and put underwater. And, and by the way, they've got one lifeboat. And the scriptures tell us there's 276 people on board. You see, the physical lifeboat is not enough. If you cast off in a storm and you're being drugged down, the physical lifeboats that we put up 
They just aren't enough. They get filled with water. We're going the wrong direction, driven by the sea. It's usually the case when we leave a safe harbor. We leave what God is telling us not to do, and we do it. The next verse is in 17, they pass the ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. You've heard it say when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot on. They were tying ropes around the boat. Other versions say they were tying chains around the boat. That would be anchor chains. They're trying to keep the boat afloat. They're trying to keep it together. Next verse, part of 17 says, Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbar of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. See, the ship was being pushed so far, so fast, cracked up so much that they stuck out the anchor to try to slow them down in the water and the wind and the waves. You see, bad decisions gain momentum. You sail on a hurricane. You pull in your lifeboat. You're driven along. You wrap ropes and chains around it physically to hold your life together. Bad decisions, they have momentum just like good decisions. And once you start moving in a direction, it's hard to stop it. Acts 27, 18 says, We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. It's funny how we can prioritize things. Something that means so much one time in our life, when things get tough, we just throw it away. We just jettison it. And this was the cargo that they were trying to move from one place to the next. Wildfires back in our area, you can see all through the nation now, wildfires and floods, people having to live in dangerous areas that are quickly eroding or burning. They're having to make decisions on what's important, what they take, what really means something. They threw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, I want you to think about you being seasick and you being in a boat for three days, sick, doing everything you can to keep things together. But on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. I don't know if you've ever been that desperate before where... You threw just everything you held dear, everything that anchored you, everything that supported you. You just turned your back on it. They threw ships tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, here's what happened. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Seasick. There's just nothing like it. It isn't like other kind of sicknesses because you can't get off the boat. You're stuck there. See, if something's going to make you sick, you shouldn't do it. I mean, you can do it, but you might hit a storm. You might go adrift. You might lose your lifeboat. 
You might try to tie ropes around your situation that you're in. You may start throwing all your possessions and your way of living away. You might give up all hope. Losing hope. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. I want to camp here for just a minute. They finally gave up all hope. Had it come to this, was it that bad? Have you ever been in your life where you wanted to give up all hope? Where you thought, this is not going to get any better. What am I going to do? How am I going to face it? What's going to happen in my life? What have I done? I should have never gotten on this boat. That was a bad decision. How could I have even thought this was going to turn out all right? Have you ever been caught in a storm? It seemed so calm at first. They said everything's going to be okay if I did it. Whatever it is. And it was just a light breeze. Isn't it funny how quickly things can change in our lives? One minute we're all together. The very next minute life pivots. It may be real quick or maybe it's like rust. It just goes and goes and goes. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Hebrews 11.1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's nothing in the world like losing hope. Here's what... uh, Here's what Paul said, Acts 27, 21. After they had gone a long way, a long time without food, you know, it's funny how you don't want to eat when you're seasick. Something happens to it. It just doesn't stay down. Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. That was a, I told you so. Paul's human, right? Have you ever said, or at least thought, I told you so? Like when your car gets crashed. I told you if you went that fast, that was going to happen. Or your money's stolen. I told you you shouldn't left your money on your seat. I told you. Or having young kids. Well, there's a fight at a party. What should you have done? What did you think? The police weren't going to come? See, Paul is human. Maybe it was a rebuke. But with the rebuke, I want you to know he gives hope. See, in the middle of the storms and shipwrecks, God is still there. And I want you to know that in the middle of anything that you've shipwrecked in your life or the shipwreck you're in or the shipwreck you're going to be in, God's got an answer. He's got a plan. Without God, you can get so sick you can lose hope. Acts 27, 22 through 26. Now I urge you to keep up your courage because no, not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong, whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground 
on some island. They had to abandon ship. Later on, the ship was torn apart. But now they've got hope. If you've been in a position in your life where you've lost hope, you've gotten so sick, the circumstances in your life or your family or your finances or your job have gotten so bad, maybe with yourself, you've gotten so sick that you just lost hope. I can't fix this. This is unfixable. Man, I really messed that up. I want you to know something. Even though you've gone against God, even though you've thrown out the things that you knew were right, even though you quit doing the things you know you should have done, God is still there. He is absolutely waiting. You may lose your ship. You may lose your cargo. You may run up on an island. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told. Not one of you will be lost. Jesus Christ came to save the lost. And if your life has been a shipwreck, it's either been a shipwreck, you're in a shipwreck, or you're going to be in a shipwreck. God is there. His arm is not so short that he can't save. God wants us to turn to him when we're seasick, when we're crashed, when we're in a shipwreck. He wants us to turn to him regardless of what we've done to get where we are, which is usually our doing. Now, if you've been shipwrecked in your life, but you love the Lord... He'll put that in the same sea as the boat, the sea of forgetfulness. He, he is not concerned about what you've done. He's concerned about your present now. You come to him with whatever it is you have that needs healing. You come to him with whatever it is that needs fixing. You see, I don't know what's around the corner for you, but this week, you can easily get caught in a storm. This week, seek God first in your decisions. If you haven't done that in the past, now's the time to start. If you haven't given your life to the Lord, now's the time to start. Just as these men on this boat, not one life was lost. Paul eventually came out on an island. Snake bit him. They thought he was a god. He didn't die. They got on another boat. Your life can be a series of shipwrecks. And I'll tell you, God does not have a wooden boat for you. He's got an ark, the ark of the covenant. He's got a boat to save you. Dear God, I thank you today for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, that no matter what we do, how we wreck our ships and our lives, that you are there for us. You want to bring us into your fold. You want us to dwell with you richly all the time. So, Father, I thank you now. 
I ask that you would right now, those that need help, those that have had issues, that their lives have been a wreck, a shipwreck, that you would right now, Father, ease their pain, gird their loins, give them peace. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The altar is open if you need to come and ask the Lord some things.